Good morning uh, to all of you at all of our churches. Uh, we are in week three of our series entitled The Grass is Always Greener. And what we've been talking about for the last several weeks is this tendency that all of us have to believe that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It's that idea, that mindset that as soon as I get and you fill in the blank, whatever that is for you, then I'll have what I really want, kind of like this whole mindset that I'm kind of sort of happy with what I have right now, or I'm kind of sort of grateful with what I have right now. But if I could just just get that. If I could just accomplish that, or if I could just be that, or look like that, or own that, or do that, or live in that, you know, it's that whole mindset that the grass is just kind of greener on the other side of the fence. And when you really stop and ask yourself, why do we do that? When you really peel that back, what we're really doing is we're pursuing something called happiness. See, we kind of believe that there's this direct correlation between if I could just be there and our happiness, and, and we're right. There is a connection, but the connection is not what we think the connection is. So there's this tendency in all of us to spend a whole lot more time peeking over the fence, looking at somebody else's grass and wishing we had what somebody else does than looking and being content with what we, only, what we have. And the big question that we've been answering this series is, why do we do that? Because as we've said for the past couple of weeks, it's not very logical. I mean, you absolutely know from experience that there comes this point in your life when more, it only just gives you incremental happiness. It really does not bring about happiness. But most of you, you're kind of like me. You still play that what if I had kind of game. So why can't we just be content and why can't we just be happy with what we have? Well, we've said in this series that the short answer to that is this one word. It's the word comparison. And because we often fall into the trap of comparison, we tend to be constantly aware and we're always thinking about what we have or what we don't have. And in doing so, what we do is we undermine, don't miss this, we undermine our own happiness, we create unnecessary stress, and we rob ourselves of peace, especially peace with God and other people which is why there is no win when you fall into the comparison trap because comparison, basically what it does is just create discontentment in our lives. Now, the good news is we've learned over the last several weeks, there is a solution to discontentment in our lives. In fact, the apostle Paul, while he's sitting in a prison, he wrote these words. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. Think about that. He wrote those words. I have learned the secret of being content while sitting basically in a prison dungeon. And what we're doing is we're learning that this secret is available to all of us. So today, we're gonna look at another step that all of us can take in order to learn contentment in our life. Now, to learn that next step, I want to point out another word and another reason that we tend to fall into the comparison trap it is because of this word, and it is the word greed. Now, here's the reality. None of us think of ourselves as greedy because greedy is really sneaky. Greed has the tendency to be very sneaky. It has the ability to disguise itself. It's really great at disguise. So much so that Jesus said, we need to watch out and we need to be on guard against greed. 
Because see, Jesus knew what most of us don't know, and that is this, greed has many faces. And greed shows up in many different places in our life. In fact, sometimes greed will show up as us being responsible. Sometimes it disguises itself and shows up of, of us saying, well, I don't have enough, or I don't have everything that I want, everything that I need. Sometimes it disguises itself as entitlement. And a whole lot of the time, it disguises itself in this one word that we're talking about today, and it's the word discontentment. Now, when we all stop and think about discontentment, we all understand um, what it is because we've all kind of experienced it. It's really that whole thing that we've said over and over, you know, it just drives us to think, you know, if I just had one more, then I would be happy. Or if I just could just get that, then I would be satisfied. It's the whole mindset that I wish that I had, or I wish that I had, or I need, or I need. But you know what? It never works that way, does it? Discontentment never allows you to live at peace, no matter how much you get. And let me just kind of prove that to you. I want you to think back in your life about 10 years ago. Imagine you are that person again about 10 years ago. See, back then, most of you, not every one of you, but most of you, you would have sworn that if you would have had what you had today, 10 years ago, if you thought, oh, if, you know, if I could just get there, get there, you, you said, I, I'd be happy if I had that. But now you're kind of at where you once dreamed of being, and guess what? You're still not happy. See, you, you now think, well, if I could just get there, you, you feel like you need more. Why is that? Because that's just the nature of discontentment. Now, I want to say something. This next insight that I'm going to share with you is probably worth you showing up today. See, here's why you haven't been able to purchase. It's why you haven't been able to earn. It's why you haven't been able to acquire discontentment out of your heart. It is this statement right here. Discontentment is an appetite that is fueled by awareness, but never fully satisfied. And I'm telling you folks, this is so important in our world and in the culture which we live. See, discontentment is an appetite that is fueled by awareness. And I want to say something, marketers and news media understand this. People understand this about every one of us, that discontentment is an appetite, and that's so important, that's fueled by awareness. It's why companies pay a premium dollar to have their product displayed on the end of aisles and stores. It's why they pay big money on website ads in order to be able to create this awareness and discontentment in your heart because they want things to pop up that you will want to go, oh, I need that, I should have that. For example, you didn't even know they made like a OLED or a 4K Ultra TV, but then you saw one on an ad and man, the colors they described were so vivid that you just had to have it. And suddenly your TV, it just wasn't good anymore, right? Or, you know, you weren't even thinking about another pair of shoes, but then you saw one pop up on this ad that you're looking at on a website or this website and the ad pops up and there's these shoes and it's like the most amazing pair of shoes that you've ever seen. And they were just calling your name and you knew some designer created those shoes just for you. See, think about this. It's not though just about buying things, this appetite. It's why some of you have plenty of money in savings, but you still want to have a little bit more so you can get that next best thing or you can live at that next best level. 
See, the reality is we all have this happen to us, don't we? We all do. See, one moment we are perfectly content because we didn't even know something existed and the next moment we have to have that new thing or we're gonna die. Like, why is that? Here's why. Because discontentment is an appetite that is fueled by awareness but never fully satisfied. See, and because it's an appetite, don't miss this, because it's an appetite, it's just like your appetite for food. Like you are going to eat today. Many of you came to our nine o'clock service so you could beat everybody else to the restaurants and things, right? You're gonna eat today. And guess what? Your appetite is going to disappear for a few hours, that is. But then it's gonna come back. And sometime this afternoon, you're gonna look at whoever else is part hanging around with you today and go, hey, what are we gonna do for dinner tonight? Or what are we gonna do for supper tonight? Depending on what your language is for the evening meal. See, here's the thing. Here's how that works. You feed your appetite every day, your desire for food, and it goes away for just a little bit, then it comes back. And here's the other thing you understand about this appetite too, is the more you feed it, the more it grows. See, that's the thing about an appetite. The more you feed it, the more it grows. That's the whole thing we don't understand about the appetite of discontentment. So here's the question, what is the secret? How do you become a person who is broken free from discontentment that's caused by greed? Because there are some people in our world that are there that have broken away from this discontentment that's caused by greed, but they are rare. And they are rare because the Apostle Paul says, you have to learn to be content. And so today, we're gonna to look at another step of contentment that the Apostle Paul encourages all of us to take if we really want to experience this fulfillment and meaning and joy and peace and satisfaction that Jesus Christ came to give us. And what might surprise you is this. This is so important for you to understand as kind of background to what the Apostle Paul is gonna to say today is that the Apostle Paul, he knew what it was like to have everything that he wanted in life. See, at a younger age, he was fairly wealthy. He was very successful. He was highly influential. And then he left all of that to go follow Jesus. And he traveled throughout the known world at that time, starting churches, and he went through some really rough experiences. I mean, there was time when he didn't have food. There was times when he didn't have a place to sleep. I mean, there was times just like his locked in a prison cell when he said, I've learned to be content. He says, I've been locked up multiple times in prisons. But here's the thing that's interesting, going through all of those hard times, sharing the gospel, he says, I've learned to be content to the point that he never wished he could go back to his formal life. And so in this letter that he writes to a young pastor that he's mentoring by the name of Timothy, he shares why. Here's what he tells Timothy about the secret to contentment. Notice with me, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to begin in verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, let me just clarify what we mean by godliness. See, godliness is progressively believing and then behaving more like Jesus. It's spiritual growth. It's simply the idea that I'm thinking and therefore I'm acting more like Jesus wants me to act. I'm growing in my faith. I'm applying God's word to my life. And I'm living according to God's word. 
And so the Apostle Paul, he says, listen, whenever you team up godliness, or you could say spiritual growth, whenever you team up spiritual growth with contentment, he says, there is a huge benefit There is great gain. Literally, he's saying, your life gets exponentially better. So here's the question. How do you team up spiritual growth with contentment? Well, you start by remembering what he's gonna say next. Follow along what he says next in verse seven. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Now, stop and don't miss what he's saying here because this is so important. Literally what he is saying is here's how you team up spiritual growth and contentment. He says, you just need to remember that you are better off right now than when you showed up on this planet. Literally he says, you brought nothing into this world. When you showed up, you had nothing when you came into this world. And he says, oh, and by the way, and you're not gonna take any of it out of here. So anything you have, it's more than you had when you came in and it's more than you're gonna have when you go out. So be grateful, be thankful, be content. And the reason he says this, the reason he reminds us that we brought nothing in the world and we can take nothing out of it is because he understands the power of gratitude. And I hope today that we, as we're moving in to celebrating Thanksgiving this week, that this will just help you understand the power of gratitude. See, gratitude, it is powerful. And the reason it's powerful, because just as the Apostle Paul is showing us here, it changes the way that we see things. Because now all of a sudden, we go, oh, I brought nothing in the world. I'm not going to take anything out. So I'm blessed. Everything I have, it's a blessing. In fact, I love what Sandra Stanley says about this. She says it this way, gratitude is the shortcut to contentment. Literally, it's the fastest way to become content. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying, and I think Sandra Stanley is saying that in her statement. It's like, when you live, learn to live gratefully, it begins to starve the greed that is disguised as discontentment and the, the, the entitlement that is rattling around in your heart and in your mind. Because see, here, here's how it works. Discontentment says this, I need more than I have. This is what discontentment says, I need more than I have. Entitlement says, I deserve more than I have. But you know what gratitude says? Gratitude says, I don't deserve what I have, but I'm thankful for it. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, instead of focusing on what you don't have, the Apostle Paul says, listen, you need to stop and remember, you brought nothing in this world, you're taking nothing out of this world, you need to start focusing on what you do have because gratitude says, I don't even deserve what I had, I brought nothing into this place, but I'm so thankful for what I have. See, you have a whole lot more than when you enter this world. You've got a whole lot more than when you leave this world. So the Apostle Paul says, that should remind all of us to be grateful. But then he goes on. Notice what else he says. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And let's be honest. All of us read that and go, oh, no, we won't. Because our thing is, yeah, I want food and clothing, but I'd sure like a few more things too. You know, I, I, I want to be rich or at least richer than what I am right now. I'd like to have a little bit more than I currently have. But the Apostle Paul says, no, really, we should be content with the basics. He goes, but if you get more, great, be thankful. 
But as long as you have food and clothing and, you know, place to live, it's like, wow, you got the basics. You're, you're extremely blessed. And here's why he says that. Because forgetting that, Forgetting that having the basics is tremendous blessing is what leads discontentment to allow us to get in trouble. In fact, this is why he says this in the next verse, in verse 9. He says, those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, here's kind of the irony of what he's saying. I can't convince you that this is going to happen to you. You know why? I, I can't stand up here and say, listen, if, if you don't learn the secret of being content, that, man, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna experience some ruin and destruction in your life. And you know why he can't convince you of that? Because see, that's the nature of a temptation and that's the nature of a trap. They're not obvious. See, if a trap was obvious, the bear wouldn't step in it. If a trap was obvious, the mouse wouldn't walk in it. See, a trap and a temptation is not obvious, but I want you to think about it this way. Have you ever had this desire in your life to acquire something, to make more money, to keep more money that caused you to sacrifice your integrity? Have you ever lied or have you ever cheated or have you ever been deceitful, including on your income taxes, so that you can have a little bit more or to get a better deal? Have you ever chased money or whatever money could bring you or get you at the expense of your family, of your relationships, even at the expense of your faith? Have you ever had that? See, I, I think we're all guilty of this at some level. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, it always leads to ruin and destruction. Ruin and destruction of relationships, ruin and destruction of families, Ruin and destruction of integrity, of financial security, of our future, of our faith. See, the severity of the consequence of discontentment that is fueled by greed, it may be different for each of us at different levels depending on the nature of our foolish and our harmful desires or foolish choices. But here's the reality. We have all fallen into this temptation and this trap. And some of you right now at all of our churches, you're falling into this temptation and this trap right now. And the Holy Spirit is warning you of that. It's going, hey, right now I'm speaking to you saying, you, you need to think about what you're doing right now. Now, the Apostle Paul, he goes on and unpacks this idea a little bit further in verse 9. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, this verse right here, it gets quoted, misquoted so many times. The Apostle Paul didn't say that money is the root of all evil. No, money is amoral. It's not positive or negative. So it's okay to make money. It's okay to have money. It's okay to even have more money as long as you recognize that the money that you have, it is from God and God has entrusted it to you. But he's saying it's not okay to love money. It's not okay to love the stuff that money can buy so it causes you to look over the fence and compare yourself to what you don't have that your neighbor has. See, here's why this is important. When you love money, money leads you. 
When you love money, money controls you. And when you love money, what the Apostle Paul just said in the previous verse is money, it sabotages you and it makes you discontent. That's how it sabotages you. And this is why the Apostle Paul says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In other words, when you dig into what drives your desires of those unwise or those sinful or those harmful or those evil things that we do, he says, I can promise you the love of money is most likely a root of that. And then he gives us an example in the last part of the verse. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, here's the thing. We've seen this happen. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And as you ponder on that statement the Apostle Paul makes, you go, oh, wow, that's my story. Your discontentment and your desire for more money or what money can buy, it caused you to wander away from your faith. And here's the thing about wandering away from your faith. It wasn't intentional, was it? See, the truth is, when you wonder, it's never intentional. Wondering from your faith, it's always accidental. See, here's how it works. You start working more and more. And then you stop going to your small group because I, I just don't have time to be a part of a small group because, man, I, I, I got all these opportunities. I got all this stuff happening. And, you know, it's like I'm eager for money. So you stop going to your small group and now you have no accountability, no belonging, no sense of care in your life. Or for some of you, you're eager for money or what money could bring you, it caused you to wonder and so you stop serving. Because you're just not, I'm too busy to serve, but man, I got all these money-making opportunities in front of me. In front of me. Uh, others of you, it was your eagerness for money or what money could bring you, it was like uh, you became inconsistent with your daily time in prayer and in God's word. Or for some of you, you haven't been in church in a while. And so you, the reason you've been missing church is because you started this new job that would pay more, but it's required so much from you that you've had to start using your Sundays to stay ahead for Monday. And without realizing it, your discontentment has caused you to wander from the faith. Your relationship with God and fellow believers is no longer your top priority anymore. So, so maybe the thing that money caused some of you to wonder from was um, it gave you more. And so your success enabled you to travel more, to play more, to chase more hobbies, buy more things that consume more time. And you have wondered. And again, you, you never meant to wonder. But you got to understand, that's the nature of wondering. Wondering is never intentional. And I'm just going to tell you, I watch it happen all the time with people. And as a pastor, it absolutely breaks my heart because I know that they are, as the Apostle Paul said, they are creating self-inflicted wounds and they're setting themselves up for all kind of grief because all of a sudden they look back and they're so much further away from God and so much further away from the body of Christ and their heart is moved away from serving and, and thinking of others and it's all about them and their world. But here's the thing, nobody sees this in the moment. See, in the moment, it's just these, well, I've got this opportunity 
to make a whole lot more money. And so we just start making these little minor, innocent tweaks in our lives. In our minds, we call them our necessary changes. And, and we go, oh, it's just a small change. I'm going to quit going to my small group, or I'm going to quit serving, or I'm going to quit attending church as often, or I, I'm not going to get involved in this community organization that's helping the poor and the needy. And, and we, go, it, we don't see them as having any real impact on our life in that moment. But the Apostle Paul says, man, you pierce yourself with many griefs when you start wondering. When you start wondering from the faith, when your faith is no longer number one. So how do you avoid this scenario that the Apostle Paul is mentioning here? Because I'm telling you, it happens to every person who lets discontentment drive them. Here's his answer in verse 11. He says, but you, man of God, woman of God, student of God, notice this next word. If you're, and, if you're, and if you're following along your Bible, circa these next couple words, what does he say you need to do? He says, you need to flee, not flirt with, not make minor little tweaks like, okay, I'll just quit going to my small group because I don't have time for that anymore. I'll quit serving. He's like, no, no, no. You flee from all this. And what do you do instead? You pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Listen, here's what he's saying. The apostle Paul says, you need to flee from all this. Literally, he says, you need to flee from greed, he said, and instead, you need to pursue with all your heart righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance. And if there was ever a generation of people that needed endurance in our time is now. Or in our country's history, I should say, is now. Like, you need endurance. Like, we, we live in such a microwave, instant society that we have forgot that faith is a journey with God. He says, literally, you need to run away from discontentment because discontentment is all about fueling your satisfaction immediately. And he says, listen, and you need to run toward the values and the virtues and the qualities that are the foundation for a true spiritual life and a life of satisfaction and contentment. Listen, remember at the beginning of this conversation today, we said discontentment is an appetite, just like your appetite for food. Listen, eating only satisfies your hunger for a short while. So here's the thing. If you want to fight your hunger, what do you have to do? You have to discover something so much more important than food to you. The same thing is true of your appetite of discontentment. You need something much greater than your desire for more or better. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying right here. He's saying, listen, you need to flee pursuing all that stuff that's going to cause your faith to wonder. And instead, you need to find something that is so much more attractive, so much more powerful, something that is going to transform your life. And that thing includes the pursuit of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And you know what that something is? That something is purpose, a godly purpose. Don't miss this. Purpose starves discontentment. In other words, if you love money and you're eager for more, here's what he's saying. It's because you haven't discovered something bigger and better, a purpose worth living for that's bigger and better than money. 
This is what I've discovered in my own life and the lives of many people I've mentored and coached, and that is this. People who are discontent are people who believe that temporary things will deliver some kind of significant purpose. And here's the reality. That is never true. No thing, no amount of money in the bank, no lifestyle will ever deliver significant impact. That's why discontentment is never fully and finally satisfied. But I'm telling you, when you discover God's purpose for your life and you pursue becoming a man or woman or a student that God created you to be, then you discover your purpose. And with that purpose comes contentment. Because here's why. Purpose begins to shift our focus from pursuing greed or what money can get us towards something that matters a whole lot more than the next dollar, the next trip, the next purchase. See, here's what happens. You begin to live for something much more significant, so much more that changes how you view money and things. You live for something such, so much more than that. And here's what, why this is such a big deal. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. And in the point when you start shifting your focus from what money can buy to purpose, godliness, faith, love, gentleness, endurance, all of a sudden, your God-given purpose, you don't even realize what's happening, but money starts mattering less and people start mattering more. Your purpose, it starves the discontentment that rattles around in your heart. The apostle Paul is saying to all of us, purpose is powerful. It moves you to be generous instead of greedy. It moves you to be grateful instead of ungrateful. It moves you to be content rather than discontent. So here's the thing. If that's the kind of lifestyle you want, this, this lifestyle of truly being content in your relationship with God and other people and enjoying your relationship with God and other people and enjoying the blessings that God gives us. If that's the kind of life that you want, here's a question I want you to think about. What habits should you begin to help you focus more on who you are than what you are? Or what you want, I should say. Yeah. What habits should you begin to help you focus more on who you are than what you want? What, what habits will help you pursue righteousness, godliness, endurance, faith, love? The person that God created you to be. I want to give you four. If you've not been taking notes so far, you might want to write these down. I think they're very important habits if you're going to learn to, the secret of being content. Here's the first one I would like to challenge you. Four habits that we're going to begin with. Here, here's the thing. Many of you, you have wandered from your faith because you have quit having a daily time with God. You've quit carving out time with God. And if you do, it's like really short, just, hey God, it's me. Give me something real quick. Let me say something to you real quick. Boom. You don't have a relationship with God anymore. See, a daily time with God is a time when you pause in your day and you just really focus on God. You learn to know who he is. You begin to understand that he loves you, he cares about you, and that you are his child that he created and he loves. And what you do, it matters. And it affirms your value and your worth. And some of you are going, I don't know that I know how to do this. Well, no worries on that. 
You hear us talk about this environment around here that we call, that we create it called Engage, and it happens at all of our churches every uh, Sunday about 12 o'clock, and it's four steps, and it goes step one for first week, step two the second week, step three the third week, step four the fourth week. Um, in the second week, we teach you how to get a grasp of God's word and how to pray. We, we teach you how to begin to understand God's word. And I would really encourage you to check this out. It is a powerful way to let God change your heart and begin to show you your purpose. It, it's a powerful way for you at the beginning of your day, at the end of your day, in the middle of your day, to stop pursuing all of those things that we tend to pursue that make us discontent and start pursuing righteousness and godliness. This is such an important habit. I think the second habit I would encourage you is the consistent habit of generosity. This is just developing a weekly or monthly habit of directing a portion of your money to something beyond yourself. And I'm not even saying give it to our church. In fact, if you are in our church, one of our churches today and you go, oh, you know, I don't go to church or I don't like church because they're all about our money. Listen, go give your money to some other nonprofit in the community that you live. Don't have to give it to us. I'm just saying we, part of gratitude is learning to be generous so consistent generosity is just very practical, very personal reminder to your heart that you don't need to love money. You need to give some of it away to bless other people. Like you need to live for something bigger than yourself. And when you do, it helps you find your purpose because here's what happens. Whatever organization or a cause that you give your money to, your heart is gonna follow that. Jesus says, money puts your devotion in motion. Now, there's a third habit, and I think this is, as, as important as daily time with God, and that is consistently serving others. Like you need to carve out a part of your time every week to serve somebody besides yourself. And what will happen is when you start serving others, I always say this, that serving others is the beginning path to discipleship. You, you start developing the qualities that the apostle Paul mentioned when you start serving others because you can't consistently serve others if you're not pursuing godliness and righteousness and faith and love and gentleness. And the other thing in serving others, all of a sudden you're gonna go, oh, this is my purpose. This is my purpose. This is what God created me to do. And then there's a fourth habit I really would encourage you in this season, and that is meeting consistently in a small group with a group of people every week to talk about faith. Because if there was ever time that faith is fragile in our culture, it is right now. And you need to be meeting with this group of people to talk about how do I apply God's teachings to my life? Because there's so many voices out there that are deceiving and lying to, our, to us right now. You need someone to help you go, no, this is what Jesus says about this. I promise you, you will not fulfill your life purpose without some faith community around you that helps you focus on your greater life purpose from Jesus. But then let me give you a bonus habit, right? This is Thanksgiving week, so all of you have some time off, so I'm gonna give you some bonus homework, right? Didn't you always love this when your teachers did this kind of thing? So here is our bonus habit. Since, since this is Thanksgiving week, some of you need to start the habit of giving thanks each day. You need to start the habit of giving thanks each day for what you have. And here's what you will discover on this one. You can't give thanks and grumble and complain at the same time. It's incompatible. You cannot be expressing gratitude and grumble and complain at the same time. I have a friend of mine. Um, he he um, no longer lives in our area. He lives uh, out in California. He, he sends me about every month. He'll send me so, uh, something that God has spoken to his heart. Just amazing man of God. Um, and just watching him over his journey, um, 
has been so incredible. And he, he, this month, he sent me a statement, or he sent me the, a long, basically a little blog that he writes and sends to me. But he, in that blog, he, he made this statement. He said this. He says, I am convinced that everything spiritual is built on gratitude. Think about that. He says, I am convinced that everything about our spiritual life is built on gratitude. He says, you can't have love without gratitude. You can't have joy without gratitude. You can't have peace without gratitude. You can't have hope without gratitude. You can't have patience without gratitude. And so that's why we wanna challenge you this week. Another thing that's gonna help you pursue godliness, righteousness, is giving thanks each day. So, um, Let's just go ahead and take this habit to the next level. Choose to live a grumble-free week. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you would commit to, okay, I'm not gonna grumble about anything. I'm not gonna grumble about the government. I'm not gonna grumble about anything this week. Because see, you can't grumble and be grateful at the same time. It's like, this is messing every campus up. Some people are trying to get up and leave right now. We're not quite done. We'll be done in just a moment. Listen. Why are these habits so important? Because here's why. You will not be able to starve the discontentment by hoping it happens or just trying to try a little bit harder to not be so discontent. No, you've got to focus on discovering and fulfilling your purpose. And to do that, you've got to have certain habits in your life. You you can't just stop pursuing wrong things. You've got to start pursuing right things. And I'm telling you folks, this is so worth it. It is so worth it. In fact, imagine how content, how happy, how satisfied, how at peace you'd be if, even though you don't always have what you want, if you just focused on pursuing God. Uh, Imagine how much more contentment you would have if you were not always obsessing over your next house or your next car or the next new thing that your neighbor just bought that you just wish you had. Imagine how much more content your family would be, how much healthier your relationships with your parents, with your friends, with your spouse, with your partner, with your kids would be if you weren't always chasing something else. Imagine how much more fulfilling it would be to be pursuing your purpose and knowing that your life matters and you're living for something significant and fulfilling. And and that didn't just disappear with the next newer and shinier and whenever the better wore off. Imagine to be able to say, listen, I could get that, but I'm choosing not because I am just grateful for what I have. Imagine that, I have enough, I'm grateful. Here's the thing, the Apostle Paul is telling us, you can live with that kind of contentment and peace. It's not a crazy, crazy idea. There are people that enjoy that every day, and you can too, but you have to pursue purpose, and you have to let that purpose starve discontentment. So what habits of those habits, those five habits I gave you today, which ones do you need to develop this week? And then what are you gonna do this week? How will your life look different this week because of what you just heard? And I pray that you'll live a grumble-free week because you you can't grumble and focus on Jesus at the same time. You can't be grateful and complain at the same time. And then come back next week as we continue to discover the secret of being content. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we've all been convicted deeply this morning. And this week is a great week for all of us just to reset and say, Jesus, we brought nothing in this world. We're taking nothing out. Look what I have. Thank you, Jesus, for all your blessings. 
So I pray that you help all of us to really do a personal self-check and, and make sure that we haven't wandered from pursuing godliness, righteousness, faith, love, endurance, and patience. And this week, I pray that as we focus on gratitude and giving thanks for all your blessings, that this will be a spiritual reset week where we intentionally focus as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a student of God, pursuing godliness. And as we couple that with contentment, wow, it's gonna be great gain. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving us enough to telling us the truth and telling us the truth, God, with grace. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we give you gratitude. Amen. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you next week.